Hey, you busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Every single success story has a spirit of relentlessness behind it. And kind of just was scanning through my own personal life and was like, you know what? That is stamped approved. But I tell you what, that notion was revved up something to the highest degree once I reread the story in the Bible. And I was like, you know what? Let me pick up this phone and share something with you. Because I believe that every go-getter, every person who's ever done anything that was outside of their own physical doing, where they had to look up at the sky and say, God, I know that's you. I know that you aligned this person to come here at this particular moment. None of this is coincidence, but I know one thing's for sure. I had a determination that this was going to happen any means necessary. And that is the exact notion that I read and that I picked up rather as I was reading about Abraham. Now, let me tell you something about Abraham. He's a lot of things, but I don't think we ever really viewed him as a gangster. You know, that's how I'm going to go ahead and deem him today. So I want to give you a little backdrop. You remember a little while back in the Bible, maybe about Genesis 18, um, that God came down and was like, listen, you and Sarah going to have a baby. Okay, great. Um, I know y'all old, but y'all going to have a baby. And I'm going to go to that part real quick. And so let me just see Genesis 18 real quick. I'm going to scandal down. Okay. So pretty much Abraham saw three angels of the Lord and was like, oh, <laughs> I need to go ahead. And um, or actually the Bible says that the Lord appeared again. And then it was actually the three men standing there by Abraham. So Abraham runs back to his wife, Sarah, and he's like, listen, you need to go ahead and get, you know, Thanksgiving popping because we got company, right? That's in essence what was happening here. So I'm going to scan down to Genesis 18, verse 9. And so verse 9 says, because the men are asking Abraham this, where is Sarah, your wife? The visitors ask. She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. So 10, verse 10. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife, Sarah, will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. Verse 11. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. Verse 12. So she laughed silently to herself and said, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? Verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abram, Why does Sarah laugh? Why does she say, Can an old woman like me have a baby? Verse 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. 15. Sarah was afraid, so she denied it, saying, I didn't laugh. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. <laughs> now, I'm going to go ahead. I was trying to hold my laugh, and I can't. Um, Sarah, 
how you gonna try to lie to the Lord? First of all, he saved you from even having to tell a story because we couldn't say lie in my house, so I still say story as an adult. But he tried to save you so you didn't even have to tell that story. He didn't even ask you why you laugh. Verse 13 says, then the Lord said to Abram, why did Sarah laugh? He didn't even look at you, ma'am. He looked at your husband and was like, why your girl laughing at me? What happened? Oh, she, she tested me? cool like i said i said what i said sir and then you went ahead and tried to end it real quick i didn't laugh and he had to look at you and said bruh like this is og first testament bruh he said no you did laugh he told her, i have a nice day hilarious but it was a couple of things right there in that scripture right there that i was just like man a lot of the times we let small-minded people get into the big plans god has for us and then we get frustrated why they can't comprehend or get as excited as we hoped for. Like even in that chapter right there, God knew, literally, ma'am, I'm not even talking to you. Because maybe God knew her level of acceptance, her level of faith, and just where she was at in the spirit. It was like, what I'm about to say to you, you can't even comprehend. Because notice in that whole thing, when he was talking to Abram, Abram didn't even let alone respond or respond with a lack of faith. He didn't say anything. But here you are, ma'am, eavesdropping on a big thing that God's getting ready to do in the both of y'all lives. And your only response was how? How is that even going to be possible? So instead of you accepting like, man, God, if you said it, then it's going to get done. You looked at it like, how is God going to allow or be able to bring forth a God thing in your life? Does that, how oxymoronic in the spiritual realm could, do you have to even hear that? Like when you hear that, it's like that, it doesn't even make any sense. God, how are you going to make a God thing happen in my life? Because he's God and he can. What part of that didn't you understand? Now, if you were laughing more so to say, listen, my body, if you can make it happen with my body, cool, go ahead and use it because you know how old and frail and cobwebby you are down there in the undercarriage, then I can understand that. But you laughed not only at the vehicle that God wanted to use, you laughed at the fact that you didn't think God could do a God thing in your life. And that's when it becomes a, okay, now time out. If, if where else did you hear Sarah I'm asking her where else did you hear God tell another individual he was going to do a God thing in their life for you to compare or even have a lack of faith in anything when God told Abraham look I'm gonna make you a father of many nations he did that absent of Sarah Sarah wasn't around but the one thing that she was around for, instead of going ahead and touching and agreeing with her husband or her master, as she said it in this particular verse, it, instead of her touching and agree, she looked at it and she dissected and she had a lack of faith. So you dissected and you separated is what you did instead of touching and agree in that area. And so it made me look a little bit deeper. I was like, you know what? I want to reflect on that a little bit more because again with the angel saying that and her tucking away being in the corner and laughing in disbelief kind of like alluded to maybe that's how Abraham moved in a couple of chapters over when it was time to go ahead and be tested with Isaac because I'm sure that Abraham remembered that mm, if he's going to do a God thing he probably can't have the person that he's doing life with 
in the same realm as him. So if he's going to be tested by God, the one person that possibly cannot even be factored into that testing is Sarah. Why? Because when God verbalized something to her in front of Abraham, I was about to say Adam, when God verbalized something in front of Abraham that he was going to do in front of Abraham, Sarah openly displayed her lack of faith. And so as a matter of fact, when you go over a couple of chapters more, when you go right over to Genesis chapter 22, because that's when God went ahead and tested um, Abraham's faith. And I'm going to go ahead and read it off of verse 1. It says, sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abram, God called. Yes, he replied. Here I am. Chapter or verse 2. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains will I show you. Now pause. I feel like there was an emphasis there, not only to highlight to Adam, oh, I keep saying Adam, highlight to Abraham how much God knows that Isaac means to him, but I feel like it also is a foreshadowing as to what God actually did with Jesus. So that second verse says, Take your son, your only son, which is also reflecting of God in Jesus, right? Because Jesus was God's one and only son. Then it says, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, meaning that God had to highlight its emotional connection to Abraham in order to really identify, I know that this is a sacrifice for you, and I understand it, and I'm making sure that you understand that I understand it, and so let's see what you do with this sacrifice. Verse 3, the next morning Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took took two of his servants with him, along with his son, Isaac. Then he chopped wood for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. Four, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Five, stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the servants. The boy and I will travel a little further. We will worship there and then we will come right back. Six, so Abraham placed the wood for the burnt offering on Isaac's shoulders while he he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them walked on together, seven, Isaac turned to Abraham and said, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied. We have the fire and the wood, the boy said, but where is the sheep for the burnt offering? Eight. God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. Abraham answered, and they both walked on together. Nine, when they arrived at the place where God had told him to go, Abraham built an altar and arranged the wood on it. Then he tied his son, Isaac, and laid him on the altar on the top of the wood. Ten, and Abraham picked up the knife to kill his son as a sacrifice. Eleven, at that moment, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven, Abram, Abram. Yes, Abraham replied, here I am. Twelve, don't lay a hand on that boy, the angel said. 
Do not hurt him in any way, for now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your son, your only son. And in 13, then Abraham looked up and saw a ram caught by his horns in the thicket. So he took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering in the place of his son. There is so much there, it is ridiculous. And let me just go ahead and say this. Please understand that when it's time to make huge decisions in your life, it is fatal. It is crucial for you to leave doubters behind. It is fatal to your future to bring anyone around you or along the journey with you that does not understand God doing a God thing in your life. Everyone can't come with you. Your assignment is so great. It is too great to be in competition with somebody else's doubt. Now, just look at what we read. Abraham literally kept the details sealed from his wife so that he can keep his focus on God. He didn't say, uh, babe, God, I just heard a word from God and I got to go ahead and take Isaac in. Now, let me explain something to you. If, if uh, Sarah was any kind of mother, to be honest with you, like, I want to know where y'all going. Because I want to know and go ahead and prepare like dinner, you know, maybe some other things or just to be nosy, inquisitive, whatever you want to say. But it took a number of days. We just read that Abraham, it says that Abraham, Abraham looked up on the third day of traveling and then said, oh, OK, there's the mountain. He's going to go ahead and sacrifice. So they have been away from home for some days now. He couldn't text Sarah. You see what I'm saying? It wasn't no FaceTime real quick. Let you see, hey, it wasn't no selfie. Oh, she knows they're okay because he posted it on the, you know, whatever social media platform of his liking. It was days. So he not only knew, mm, this may take some time, but he also knew, can't go ahead and let Sarah know none of this. Like this was the perfect illustration. This shows us, that at the very end of your assignment, even if you got to go alone, make sure that it's carried out to its complete obedience. Because if you're noticing, the closer that Abraham got with Isaac to what God told him to do, he eliminated more people. What kind of mindset and determination and faith-based operational mindset did you have to have in order to say, listen, not only am I not telling Sarah, but I don't even know if these servants is about that spiritual life of what God, or it's going to align with what God told me to do. So at the closer we get, I'm going to go ahead and tell the servants, hey, me and the boy be right back. Y'all got to stay behind too. That is an entirely different spiritual stance than what most of us take. We try to go ahead and bring people along with us and try to convince us of what God is doing. And, you know, and as we're trying to go ahead and comprehend the big thing that God is saying he's going to do, we're trying to also trying to bring people in and kind of like, do you see it now? So we're trying to play lens crafters in the spirit. Do you see it now? Do you see it now? Well, this is what God said. And not only that, while you're doing that, you're going ahead and fading away the very thing that God told you to do because you're so focused on trying to make somebody else see what God wants you to see that you're starting to get little blemishes on your own lenses 
You see what I'm saying? No leeches on this journey. No naysayers on this path. Like, there's enough of that. Mind you, God only spoke one time to Abram. That means he had one time to understand in completion what God said. And he literally needed to make sure from that moment forth that no one competed with God's voice. Look how many different people's voices he could have possibly had to go ahead and interfere with. He would have probably had to deal with the emotional wife slash mother of Sarah. Why are you taking him? You think God's really going to sacrifice? You want you to sacrifice him? Do you think that's what God really said? Because she didn't, in the initiating stance, she didn't even believe that God was going to bring forth a son. So do you think that she would have believed that God wanted Abram to sacrifice her son? So that's one voice right there. Then it's the other voice of how many servants did Abram, Abraham bring with him? Do you think they probably would have had something to say? First of all, sir, we're not traveling this far to go kill. You want us to kill your son? Hold on, but why we kill? How many voices in, com- in competition would that have been in the spirit? Then his own son. Um, Dad, I see the wood. Mm-hmm. I see the place, but where's the sheep, bruh? He would have had to compete with that. Abraham is literally showing us in real time in this particular passage what it looks like to hold on to what God said and say nothing after that and erase anything that will compete with that. How sturdy spiritual walk actually looks we don't see that in real time we don't even see that in our own lives I don't care how spiritual you are there's some question marks when you hear something as huge as God you said to do what I'm sorry God you said you was getting ready huh I'm sorry like you literally have to be willing to silence any competing noises especially especially when they've shown doubt previously Because it may not look the way your respected family member said that something should look when God's trying to do it his way. It may not look like your seasoned boss, how how the journey that they took in their career. It may not look like, you know, how your mama and your daddy and your aunts and your best friend, how they met their particular spouse. Your, Your destiny and career may take you to a different state other than where your family's at. I don't know what kind of mindset Abraham had to have to get a good night's rest. Okay. Knowing that the next day he would be sacrificing his son. Because listen, don't read that too fast. The first verse is telling us the first three verses. It says literally, first verse, God said, yo, go ahead and sacrifice your son. Okay, great. Yep, one and only son. And then verse 3 says, the next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. And then he chopped the wood for a fire, burnt offering, and set out for the place God had told him about. Time out, sir. 
I couldn't even sleep when I was telling you about a couple of conversations ago when we were talking about revamping. I couldn't even sleep when I figured out, whoa, I don't even know my shoe size. We can't even sleep when we have an exciting day the next day, let alone it be Christmas or some your wedding day or some other great adventure. We can't even sleep when it's an exciting time. How did you sleep, Sir Abraham, knowing that the next day you would be sacrificing your son? How? How did you do that? What kind of spiritual trust, what type of spiritual posture did you have to have to be like, God said it and so I'm doing it, the end. Ain't no more extra lines and sentences to this paragraph. Wow, sir. Don't know what kind of mindset you have to have to to embrace, to t- not tell his wife anything. He put, pretty much had to listen. We'd be right back, okay? Told his two servants, um, y'all stay here, okay, great? Um, but it's clear to me that his only mindset was to be completely and utterly obedient to God any means necessary, we need to dig into that kind of stance as well. Any means necessary, get that into your soul. I'm going to accomplish this goal any means necessary. I will leave whomever and whatever behind any means necessary because God told me to do it and it's getting done any means necessary. This test leads to a future promotion and I can't afford to miss it. It's any means necessary. You need an any means necessary deep down in your soul and you need it now. You need it. Matter of fact, now it's too late. You need it yesterday. So many times there are things happening in your life and it's just like, God, but I don't know what to do. And you know what I'm noticing about God? When it's, when it's a huge monumental event, he speaks one time. He told Noah all those instructions for that ark one time. It was a one time, that's it. A one time sale. You not getting a whole another. Oh, wait. And by the way, did you hear what I said to put the um window in the ark, um, Noah. Wait, by the way, did you hear how many I said you need to bring? You only need to bring one pair of each. When you have to make sure it's not two girls, though. Okay, great. Um, and get and get from that what you need to get from that. I'm staring at you. Okay, we'll leave it alone. When Jesus went ahead and had his assignment, he knew what his assignment was one time. I feel like there are things in your life that you are missing God on, not because God didn't come back and reconfirm and don't feel some kind of way because he didn't do it with Abraham. He didn't do it with Noah. God don't need to reconfirm. You need to reevaluate who else is competing with what God said. That's why I feel like the real trick is. Because, again, I'm looking at how this man went through this thing, and I'm like, OMG. God told you what to do, Abraham, and you said, cool, went to sleep, got a good night's rest, woke up the next morning, had a whole plan on how you was getting ready to do. Now, he didn't have a whole 30 days to figure out how he was getting ready to dissect and carry out God's plan. And that's the beauty of obedience. I think when you truly have faith and your spiritual gauge is completely set on I'm obeying God any means necessary, I think that there is an unfolding of what is to come. The instructions just unfold right before you. 
How did Abraham know how many servants to take with him? What to actually bring? How much wood to set for a fire? How did he know how to do all that? How did he know to keep going after one day? How did he know to keep going after two days? How did he know, wait, you know what? Let me look up and see if we're close there by the third day. Okay, great. Now, how did he know that on the third day, like it says in verse 5 in chapter 22 of Genesis, how did he know to say, stay here with the donkey to the servants? How did he know that these particular two servants were good enough to journey with, but not good enough to go to the, the, the end hall of the obedient? How did he know that the obedience will probably be tampered if the two servants were to come along with him? How did he know that, you know what, maybe you can bring one. He he knew to not bring either of them. He knew how much wood to bring. He knew how long he would be journeying for. He knew that. How? Because I am a firm believer as I'm continuing to read this Bible and journey in my own life and see my own experiences and see other people's experiences that faith unlocks the instructions. That obedience unfolds the proper path that you have to take. That yes, somewhere else, it probably would have looked like, now, Abram, why are you keeping secrets from your wife? You know that's your wife. And in other news, it probably would have looked like, well, your servants, you could have at least told one of them because you old. If you are old when God brought Isaac to, to pass, I know you real old if this boy's old enough to be like, bro, where's the sheep? You don't think you want to take one of these servants with you and hold hold him down real quick because, you know, he may get the good of you. Like, you, you don't even know. But you know what's so beautiful? obedience begets obedience because as old as Abram was for him to be able to go ahead and tie Isaac up in the Bible not even illustrate that there was even a little bit of a wrestling match for him to know father you have to sacrifice me and there not be any verbal exchange of why but dad I don't want to die but none of it was no emotional response because it was just two people carrying out spiritually what God said to do how awesome is that to know that at the end all I want to do is do what God said to do and I'm going to do it any means necessary and to be on the other receiving end of God if you know dad if this is what you feel like God told you to do then you know just do it that it took for him to go ahead like the angel had to go ahead and say with some force don't you put a hand on that boy which means if he didn't put some one false little, he, he, the angel didn't have the time to come down the way that we think angels come down with the, oh, like by the second hall, it would have been a wrap. It would have been like, oh, too late. He already got Isaac. Oh, well, should have came down a little faster than that. He had to come down on some Abram. Don't you put a hand on that boy. Because he knew I had to do, Angel had to go ahead and respond quickly because Abraham was not, was going to be hasteful when it comes to this obedience thing. Abraham was not going to be sloth-footed when it comes to obeying God. You know what these conversations are about. These are life-provoking conversations. When you look at your life, where do you see that you're not applying that any means necessary? You probably too busy going back to God. Like, God, can you repeat? Can you just confirm what you said to me? Like, I know you said this, but like, God, you're going to do that with me. 
Are you taking a Sarah stance in your life when it comes to certain things God said he was going to do? Or are you Abraham with it? Or you on some like, mm, any means necessary. God said he's going to do it. All right, fine. He's going to do it. And then letting faith unlock the instructional path. My challenge to you is to look at your life and say, whose voice is competing with my any means necessary? Is it my own internal voice? Is it something that I heard somebody else say that I have an open conversation with people and I shouldn't have because God gave me a closed conversational instruction and here I am opening this jaw up and it, it only can fit my hand. And so I'm wondering why everybody else is not getting the same experience or the same reaction that I'm having. And that's because God didn't speak to them. He spoke to you. I said some time ago in a video that I did on IG, God impregnated you with something and you looking at other people like, why you don't feel my contractions? Get to a place that you like any means necessary. If it means not telling certain people, then any means necessary. If it means I got to go ahead and migrate somewhere for, for another state, or I have to go ahead and, and do something that looks like I'm taking the long route, any means necessary. Because why couldn't Abraham just go ahead and take Isaac, you know, to like one of the woods somewhere? Why couldn't he just take him to the back of the house? Mm -mm. Don't rush what God said. Do it with excellence. Ask God, say, hey, for what you want me to do, download into me exactly how to do it because I've never done this before. Abraham ain't never sacrificed one of his kids before. But how did he know? How did all that come with ease? Just like when we talked about the, in, in the instructional manual, when we talked about Moses' mother, how does she know to do that with the basket and the tar? And the, how does she know how to do all that? Because I'm a firm believer, like I just said, obedience unlocks the next set of instructions. I just believe that. The more that I'm having these conversations with you, I'm just starting to see, oh, wait a minute. I'm starting to connect the dots and it's just starting to make sense now. I'm challenging you to live this life differently. Get out of the Sarah mindset and start settling into the Abrahamic, okay, God, what do you need me to do? Now I see why God made him the father of many nations because let me explain something to you. Any man that can go ahead and do the very thing that God had to do, God had to sacrifice his one and only begotten son, Jesus Christ. Any man that was able to do that is wow. Yeah, you deserve to be the father of many nations. So you know what to do. Look at your life because I'm always going to have these conversations and make you go ahead and zoom out and say, okay, life. What do I need to do? Any means necessary. I pray that that echoes in your soul. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. Any means necessary. I want you revved up in the spirit. I want you to feel that like you've never, ever, ever experienced that before. I want you to start looking at that particular statement and going, I'm unstoppable. God gave you the tools. You got to walk it through. You have to. Interlock with your faith, interlock with that obedience and just let God lead your path. Who cares if it looks like the long route? Who cares if no one else understands? Who cares if you have to walk it at the end by yourself? Abraham was by himself by the end. He had a wife, he had servants, he had all kinds of things. And at the end, it was just him and what God said to do. 
Do you understand what I'm trying to get into your soul right now? If you grasp onto this, this will be life changing for you. This will be life breaking for you. This will be, oh my gosh, this was the wool that was over my eyes the entire time. I'm trying to bring people because you're this relative to me. I'm trying to bring people because I thought we were like-minded. I'm trying to bring people alone. And what God really wants is just you and your sacrifice to be brought to him alone. When I moved down to Georgia, I, I, I didn't have a whole cheerleading team going, yay, you should go. That was just a me and God, you said to do it, so I'm going to do it. And a lot of the times, you know what, it's going to feel that way. It's going to feel like it's just you and God. It's just you and God. And praise God if you have one or even maybe two people who touch and agree. But if you don't, it's okay because many of the greats didn't. At the end, when Jesus was praying in Gethsemane, it was just him and God. That's why he got upset with the servants and was like, can you even stay up a little bit while I'm praying? Like, come on. He was getting irritated with the, with the disciples. And if it's just you and God, guess what? You in good company because a lot of people had to do it before you. A lot of people are probably doing it now. And a lot of people are going to have to do it after you. Any means necessary. We're not factoring people's feelings in. We're not factoring what they may think or say. We're not factoring anything else but God. How do I get to the most efficient road, to the most obedient path to what you asked me to do? That's what we're doing. So I feel like you got what you needed. I feel like this was amazing. And I feel like this is going to continue to echo in your soul any means necessary. But... As my good, good nanny says, all right, I ain't going to hold you. I feel a spiritual shift, and I'm not even going to hold you. I'm going to go ahead and hang up, hang up the phone and pray, and I pray that exactly what I'm feeling in the spirit, you will feel exactly that. I pray that God makes you whole from the crown of your head to the sole of your feet. I pray that any, any crooked path is made straight in the name of Jesus. I pray that whatever it is that you've been asking him for, that you just realize it's not that he needs to reconfirm it. It's that you got to eliminate some competing voices. I pray that for you in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. And until we speak again, you know what you have to do. Later.